Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, go ahead and roll for perception. I got a 13. Hey, that's pretty good. With that, you can tell there's some fantasy situations going on. You hear some adult language. And with that, you can tell this podcast probably isn't for kids. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from coy chimeras to careful casting. And today we're talking about making a villain. All right, Brian. Will. All right. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about making a villain today. That's uh, fun. From a dungeon mastering perspective, of course. Yes. Um, now, uh, D&D is a storytelling game, and though not all stories have villains, uh, all stories do tend to have antagonists. Some kind of conflict. <clears throat> I mean, right. I don't know. I don't really look at conflict as like a villain. Sometimes your sometimes your your players make villains. That's true. That's and, very uh, true. That's that's chaotic as hell. Yeah. So <laughs> so in D and D, you uh, it's very common that a campaign will have what is called a BBEG, mm. or a big bad evil guy, or a big bad evil girl. Mentioned oh. previously on the podcast. Indeed, um, it's a term that that floats around the internet all the time. Um, when talking about a BBEG or a villain, it's not necessarily going to be like a villain and a supervillain kind of. Yeah, um, like Lex way. Luthor or like... Yeah, although it definitely absolutely can be. And oh, yeah. maybe even more often is a villain in that respect. But we're just generally talking about the antagonist of the campaign. Like the the person or thing or conflict that is in opposition of your players. That is your BBEG. Right. I love the bad guys mm. from Pokemon. They're like so... They're like boring and interesting at the same time, almost. Yeah. Like, uh, um, what's talk- the one from Sun and Moon? Not Sun and Moon. Um, X and Y. X and Y. Oh, uh, Lysander. Lysander. <laughs> He's like the most interesting of them, and also the most like, bo- like, just plain ass. Yeah, like, I'm not a big fan of Team Flare, although I do. <laughs> I am a big fan of the X and Y games. But um, okay, let's back back to crafting a villain for your campaign. Um, I. I always start with my villain. I think I said this in a previous episode. When I'm coming up with a campaign, 
idea. I usually, for some reason, start with the villain and then craft a campaign around that villain. So and you're starting with the, <clears throat> the campaign's conflict and building around that, pretty much. Kind of, yeah. I, I think... I think what it is is like I start with usually the way I approach a campaign is like the bad things are going to happen regardless of the players. Right. So I set that in motion. I make all the plans. I do. I role play. I, I, I flesh out the villain. And then when the players are done making their characters, we all sit down at the table. We start going. And now they're in that world where the bad thing's going to happen. Yeah. It's like, well, they could be dicking around, like digging holes or searching for whatever, like this rare ore in this mountain or whatever. But like the dragon is still going to come and burn down this fucking town, whether they went there like they were supposed to, quote unquote, or not. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. And it's just kind of like, let's see how they react. Um, I like uh, there's some friends at the table stuff that does like uh, they have like clocks Mm-hmm. Um, the GM does. He'll set a clock, like a turn clock, and no matter what the players are doing, he's like, "Okay, I'm going to set this <clears throat> clock forward an hour, this clock forward an hour," and that means that somewhere else in the campaign world, something happened, right? And it right. was like a trigger event, okay. And no matter what happened with the players, this thing happened, and what, right? Whether or not they're involved depends on if it alters the course of those events. Okay, I I I run my games very similar to that without the clock part. Like yeah. my players just don't know. I know, but they don't know. Yeah, you're they don't like, know. oh, they spent two weeks doing this, and that <laughs> amount of time it would have taken my bad guy to go do these terrible things in these places. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly right. So so obviously when I start with my big bad evil guy, I have to make some pretty big decisions. Like how big, how bad, how evil. How guy? <laughs> how, how no, but like, but like, when I'm gonna say how guy, like, what are they? Are they a god, a demon, a wizard, a warlord, a, a mob boss? Yeah, so it's really like a big bad evil <clears throat> them, you know? Like, yeah, not. It's just a. The, what is the what is the focus? So right. So you figure out: is this campaign gonna be dragons? Is it gonna be giants? Is it gonna be one dude? Is it gonna right. be a bunch of fucking gnolls? Who knows? Well, yeah, who knows? I, I think the important thing when, when crafting your villain is to remember that you're. Your villain is, or your big bad evil guy is an individual with a story and a goal. And yeah. you need to know what both of those things are and you need to understand them like to, to their fullest extent. Right. Because then it's going to enhance your understanding of your villain as a person, your ability to role play them and like the immersion that you can bring to this campaign. Yeah. Like I want my bad guy to be like a human who's like bet on obtaining power he wants like specific power see the goal through in your mind and build the person you can build a person and then set their goal for them and then just like kind of play them like just to accomplish that goal what would what is it exactly they would be doing and how are they finding their means to this end yeah and by by fleshing out their their backstory and understanding who they are you're going to be able to make their decisions better right and it It it, makes sense it's just going to make this world feel realer um you have to remember that most villains both in real life and in most fiction tend to be protagonists of their own story yeah. to them the Life players standard. are the antagonists yes um and because of this you'll often find that good villains are often the ones that think that they are in the right and then the best villains often are right in some sort of way yeah maybe <clears throat> their like methods are what is evil about them or like yeah something in, something in between the end goal seems great it's just whatever they're doing to get there is bad yeah or, con- or conflicting or it's conflicting and like that's the thing like again 
D and D is a storytelling game, and stories are supposed to bring up these questions. Yeah, these you philosophical can't, oh, ideas. Yeah, the black like, and white is good sometimes. Sometimes it's great. The gray area is where you're going to do a lot of exploring, and where true. your players are going to start asking true. questions about who they are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like a, I, I like that in a bad guy. They make you question what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and kind of speaking more on this, villains don't exist in a vacuum. Like. They weren't born a villain necessarily. Yeah, there's not like the sphere of evil where they're yeah. just shitting out bad guys all I the mean, time. Or it could totally be that. Oh, like, yeah. Because that sounds pretty fun, actually. <laughs> but, but my point is, they don't exist as, as like TMX spawn pit. Yeah, like, oh gosh. Uh, but I mean, like, why are they villains? Like, what are their motivations? Like, uh, were they betrayed? Are they trying to get revenge? Are they a person who was disenfranchised to such a great degree that they've, like, now gone down this path that's led them to power and like trying to change the system but in this real bad yeah evil kind exactly of way. are they are they tr are they really pissed off about the red tape of bureaucracy and yeah, now they're sure. trying to destroy the patriarchy sure that yeah <laughs> um uh maybe a traumatic event traumatic loss maybe they are just envious of something and they just want it yeah greed, greed I, envy. I deserve power and wealth and like <clears throat> this person took it from me or like has it and when why not me yeah motiv motivation is imp important exactly and, and sometimes you know it's easy to fall into the tropes of like world domination and that's cool world domination is one i use very commonly but it's how you get to that motivation that that kind of like the nuance of that is what makes it kind of fall out of the cliche yeah like what is making this person want to dominate the whole damn world yeah. and like what makes them think they can like how powerful right. is this person exactly thing? and that's back at it like how big how bad how evil like yeah. i really like um bad guys or just you know more like an entity i mean like a bad it could be one entity it could be like a faction mm -hmm. i kind of just like this um this really detached like it like a great old one kind of mm -hmm. like i don't give a fuck about whatever's going on down here in the low levels like i have a thing that i'm doing and nothing else matters right and it's just kind of this like it's like gravity almost it's just like this force that's going to move through your campaign pretty much okay so what you're talking about is kind of like a villain behind the villains kind of thing i'm more like like the zombie apocalypse or something like that or okay like, i see what you mean more like, like a force of nature fallout. Yeah. yeah more uh, like a force of nature like a, a set of events a circumstance yeah because that's yeah. how i picture a great old after a great olin's episode i pictured the more of like just this wave of bullshit coming through right and like you know cthulhu has like a cold or whatever but it's just this like accomplishing a like i guess there's more agency than that less agency than that is what i'm going what i'm talking about now okay so yeah like, i know i know what you're saying yeah like zombies or like mindlessness or like just yeah a force coming a through a plague yeah uh, like a force of nature that like you have no one to blame necessarily yeah but it's something quantifiable that you can stop and exactly. that's why it's like obtainable for the players yeah. and and that's that that is a good approach like i i would call the concept of whatever it is you're throwing at the player's to be their villain, their big bad evil guy. Yeah, that and that's so <clears throat> macro. Like world domination, like a world yeah. ending effect is is very very macro. Like yeah, absolutely. It does. You do not like we're talking a lot lately about like small scale games and like getting into towns and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I feel like a bad guy in town could be like a fucking horrible political leader or something like that. Oh yeah, you're just absolutely. Trying to like up up uproot. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, there can be multiple BBEGs throughout a campaign because, like, there can be whole different subsections of uh, a group's kind of 
of play. You know, the first five levels could be like a year's worth of storytelling. And in this, it's like you said, it's just like a political dude in a small town in a, in a region. And they never leave that region. But all this cool, crazy storytelling goes on. Right. And then the next levels, like it moves on up into bigger, badder, crazier things. So, yeah. You want to you want to calibrate your villain to to what's going on, definitely. So more on on motivations. Like after you figured out their motivations, you need to clearly define the goal of your villain if they right. have a goal. In your case, what you're talking about with forces of nature, there there maybe there's not a goal, but there is like an end game. Yeah, there's a like, there's enough there's a consequence. It's more like yeah. a consequence, like an effect yeah. that is going to disrupt. Etc. Yeah, absolutely. But you need to you need to have that defined in your mind because the thing is, like in my opinion, the end goal of the villain should be a very real possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, That's uh, why they're it's going to be taken seriously. Exactly. It's, this is for reals, guys. Yeah. And so because of that, you should know. You should know at the beginning, like what is the end goal of the villain? Um, it uh, wealth and power is that what they're after? Conquest, uh, back to revenge, destroy the world, remake the world. That's another one you see. Like this world is so corrupted. If only it was as pure as me. And Fucking whole Lysander. Yeah, there we go again. Um, yeah, that um, fool is just. I don't know <laughs> something about that guy. Yeah, he's 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 like um, he's like annoying, but it's also like we have to do something about this. Well, he's he's basically just like uh, the one from uh, Platinum as well, Cyrus. Oh, He's yeah. the same way. Yeah, He's like, this world right. is stupid. I got to rewrite time. <laughs> yeah, that's the only yeah. way. Yeah, I love Pokemon. Or like anyways. Evangelion is like that, right? Where they have is to it? like rewrite. He gets like, uh, oh, man, that's a big spoiler. Yeah. Um, never yeah. mind. I've never seen it, but I, I hear that the ending is is something It's like that. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, all, more motivations or more goals. Like, do they wish to become a god? Do they wish to summon a god to do whatever it is that god wants to do? Do they wish to fuck the gods? Destroy all the gods? Is that yeah. their goal? Like, Liches are really cool BBEGs. They're just oh, yeah, like, definitely. whatever their goal is, it's magic related and they're going to be popping shit off in a bad way all the time. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's like, and and so those those are some goals. Those are goals you'll commonly see, but you know, your goal can be whatever you want. It's like a common struggle that I have as a DM is like, what? And I think I've mentioned this before on the show too, is like, what am I including from the monster manual into my world? Because it's like built around big bad evil guys you know like, like it is. is it the dragons is it the liches is it the government like right. what and you there's no stat in... block for the government but yeah. you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah the government cr52 <laughs> good fucking luck cr it's an eight sideways oh shit my bad <laughs> that's not an eight that's too funny okay okay so let's uh, let's focus in on like singular entities as villains so. yeah um so once you've made your villain and you got like the the motivation and the backstory and the end goal and the plan and like you got this really built up person, yeah. Um, how do you introduce them to the story? Right. I, I think That's this difficult. is difficult. It can be. It can be difficult, and there are different ways you can do it. Um, I think the way you do it is important because you need to establish this. Person, well, not always, but usually you want to establish your villain as a villain. You want your players to recognize, like, oh. This is, if not the villain, at least it is a, a villain. villain. This is something we're going to have to deal with. Exactly. Um, and so how and when you you introduce your villain can be really important. So I, I, I wrote down a couple examples. Um, one of one way I found to be very effective, and uh, you actually use this without, without realizing this, but it is making an entrance. Yeah. Embarrass your players. Yeah. Show them that not only is this the villain, but like, you're like they low pale in power, comparison. Yeah, yeah, like they are, they tower over your your players, and this is like something that 
like fuck we're gonna have to deal with this but like how do we even do that right right well like and and an example is it's basically what you did but i've seen this done before where it's you know the players are in a town doing whatever it is they're doing and a big bad shows up for whatever reason maybe he's just passing through he didn't even want to be here he's just passing through and uh he he does some bad things the players decide to step up and he just whips them around embarrasses them doesn't even bother to kill him because he's just like you're not worth my time. He just yeah. passes on through. So that's how I, it was like a challenge for me to assemble the players to begin with. It was like, okay, we're going to do this like yeah. from like, you guys are all going to meet and we're going to figure that out. And at the same time, I'm like, and you're also all going to meet the bad guy at the same time. And that's, what's going to help unify <clears throat> everybody. Right. And it was just like, well, shit, like I have to go back so far to figure out like, where has this guy been? What has he been doing? Right. And like, how is he getting here? Why is he here? Why this day? <clears throat> yep. And See, you just, had to do all the things, yeah, all the things we and, talked about. And like it was kind of loose even at, when I did it. And right. I was able to like figure it out after the fact because they weren't questions that weren't going to be brought up in game necessarily. Right, right. So I had a little bit of wiggle room there and I had some time to like kind of seal the details. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and making an entrance doesn't necessarily even have to be about direct conflict with uh, with the players. Although I, I like that one personally. Um, it could be, you know, something big. And bad shows up in the city, fucks a bunch of shit up, and then goes off to do something else horrible somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, they see that that one's a little tricky because then it's like the players can easily be like, "Well, that's not technically our problem," so you know. Yeah, what I mean? and then <clears throat> in my game, that happened in my game as well, yeah. and I had to like try to I bring was it like, all together. I, I like we're all gonna sit down and play this game right. we agreed to, so hopefully that you guys just say yes because like yes. this is the kick. That off. that is the responsibility of both the players and the dungeon. Yeah, master. like we, we all have to agree to pl- let's. Play, uh, play this story together yeah, yeah and and after that like if you, you guys accept mission a or whatever and you do it after that it's like okay well like now what now what do you want to do right um, so i gave you mission b yeah. and now the bad guy is kind of like kind of changed hands a little bit yeah and not necessarily like it's like multiple bad big bad evil guys going right. on right now that's true once you get the players invested in in once the players have accepted the villain as their villain yeah it's all downhill from there it's real easy yeah um but the, the trick is getting them to accept the villain as their villain yeah then and it's make, just dangling the carrot in e- front of them exactly making entrance really works for, if you really want to introduce your villain in um in episode one, you know, in, mm, in your yeah. first session, uh, making entrance is probably a great way to do it. Um, my my preferred way of introducing the villain is what I call break something they love, Ooh. which uh, <laughs> is what I tend to do almost all the time. And it's why I don't introduce the villain until like the first three to five um, session story arc is over for a few reasons number one i want to get to know the characters right i want to understand them what's so then a good I can bad break guy their hearts. yeah what's a good way to to just fuck like, with them exactly uh number two is i want all the players to kind of bond with each other to a certain extent i want them to become attached to each other even if it's only in a very limited fashion yeah and then third and most importantly is i want to provide something that i can i want to provide something that the five of them will have in common. I'm going to use our old campaign as an example. Okay. The city of Baron's Gate. Okay. Was the thing that I broke that you all basically had come to love to a certain extent. You all had kind of, you'd done a mission for the town. You'd gotten to know some of like the higher ups. Like you were a little bit invested in each other and a little bit invested in the gate itself or not the gate, but the city itself. Yeah. And then I destroyed it. 
Right. And that was my way of here's the villain and this is what he does. Yeah. He stepped on something you liked. Yeah. And it was like we got sent away and we came back to this like, ah, crap. Yeah, exactly. So where are my parents? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So for me, that that's how I like to do it. I find it's very effective. Yeah, it was good. Um, It was like, well, shit, like we got to do something about that. Yeah. And it was also like, what what is what even is that? But we, we will. Right. There are other ways to introduce a villain. I mean, there's an infinite amount of ways how you want to do it. Another way you can do is, and and this one's a little trickier, um, although I do like it, um, and I have implemented it. It's the whole, like, the villain was there the whole time, but no one realized it kind of deal. Yeah, okay. Now, that one's tricky, because what you have to do here is you have to make... It was the bard. Yeah, it was the bard the whole time. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, you have to make it so that the villain really was there the whole time, and... In retrospect, upon the big reel at the end, you're like, oh, my God, I see where it all connects. Yeah, that, um, that's a difficult web to weave. It I is. Think. It's a difficult Especially web to weave. Especially with, like, your players doing whatever the fuck they want all Be- the time. Because you have to leave enough red herrings to keep them off the trail of the villain mm-hmm. while also leaving enough evidence for them to connect the, like, dots, connect the, the dots afterwards with with their 2020 hindsight. And uh, I find that what, what ends up happening a lot, not just in... in uh, D&D campaigns but in actual bad storytelling across all fiction is you get these really bad uh like JRPG reveals uh you know how like and a lot of in some Final Fantasy games I'm not going to mention which ones like you'll be <laughs> thinking like the villain is one thing and at the at the very end oh by the way it wasn't that at all it was this entity that you've never heard of before that's just here and was orchestrating everything and now you have to fight it to the death yeah surprise yeah and I still love those games, all games. I, I love all Final Fantasies. I'm just saying that is very bad storytelling. And it is a JRPG cliche at this point. I really like, uh, and I, I haven't brought it up in a while, mm-hmm. but it's back. Well, it's Golden Sun. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> they do a great, like... Reveal? It's like a switch up because mm-hmm. you are, um, you're playing, a, in, there's two games. You're playing as the first party, right? And they're like, mm-hmm. there's like this thing, this guy, this this entity that's like oh i'm i'm the good guy and like i need you guys to go stop those fools that just ran amuck in here and then in the next game you are more or less the fools that just ran amuck oh wow and then you guys and cuz you guys are like friends from the same town and okay. then you got to like converge at the end and you have like it's like these guys are right from one point of view but the team that came and ran amuck they're actually right and okay. they have to convince the that the original main character and they've got to like in story like figure out how to work together to like save the world or whatever. See now I like that a lot at least uh, on paper. That sounds like really a really cool concept. How did fans react to the whiplash though? Oh, it, it, they executed it like marvelously. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, That's especially really with cool. game mechanics, you you yeah. could um there was like you input a code that you got when you beat the first game to import the party with the exact stats and equipment that they had when you finish the game so right. they show up at like a high level with all this sh- cool shit final game and like last level shit on them like the best swords and the right. best armor right and then you go on and get even better swords and better armor and level right. up even farther <laughs> that's cool but yeah and it, and then it turns out that the first guy that sent the original group on their way out is like the guy you got to fight at the end because he's like i sent you to go do this shit and then you fucking changed your mind what the fuck and right. now i have to stop you and they're Interesting. like, you don't get it, man. And he's like, no, you don't get it. <laughs> See, I like that. That is good storytelling. And, uh, and the reason I brought up the the whiplash is because that is the problem with bad reveals is the whiplash is 
disappointing. You know, there there's a rule in storytelling where like your audience never wants to feel like they were they were tricked. Oh yeah, you know okay, I mean? yeah. And that's what you have to avoid. Your players aren't going to feel like obviously your players aren't going to like being tricked, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't trick your players. I'm just saying in a storytelling aspect this whiplash reveal if it doesn't make sense if the if the evidence wasn't at least there yeah. and they just didn't notice it you're so, gonna get a bad reaction so maybe not trick your players is probably not the right it's maybe don't betray your audience and your players yeah. are your audience exactly it, yeah. yeah yeah you're right okay um i got i got more techniques and storytelling uh tools to talk about before that let's take a short rest. let's do it Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. So wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the part of the show that it's, well, it's the rest part. Not it's, the, it's the rest of the, well, it's the part where we rest. It's the part where I drink my monster. And then we go back to the rest of the show. Yeah, that. Hey, we got a new Patreon person. It's Lil Raz. It's L-I-L-R-A-S-Z. Thank you for coming to Patreon. It's pretty cool. I'm actually going to do um, something. Uh, so Patreon got like a Snapchat sort of thing update Ooh, on it. So I we're going to start using that. Oh, um, oh dang. All right. So we're going to probably, well, we use our phones to record YouTube. So um, after the show, I'm going to use it. Cool beans. Sounds good. Like, look at the no. show. Thank you, Little Raz, by yeah, the way. Thanks. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And we hope you're enjoying all the content that you're getting with your patronage level. We are going to be dropping some more patronage stuff pretty soon, right? Yeah, like... Uh, probably by the time this episode drops. Probably by... Yeah. Or just like right after yeah, this episode sometime drops. sometime around, yeah. Prob- probably. If you're yeah. hearing the sound of my voice, it's coming. It's very soon. I'm almost done with it. Um, it's the second episode of The Vault Raiders. So if you're in the $5 tier... You're going to get to see what happens to Giselle and Matthias and Balasar uh, this <laughs> yes. time. Um, it's, it's fucking wild. Uh, I think Indeed. we mentioned it in another episode how ridiculous. fucking ridiculous it is. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's um, one of my proudest moments as a dungeon master. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think the, all of us as players are also very proud of, like, we did really fucking good this yeah. time. Yeah. Um, we're definitely getting into the rhythm of, like, making uh, games for recording. Uh, and we're getting a lot of practice. So Ranger Danger is the next thing that's coming up. It's for the $10 tier, and it's basically everybody is a high-level, level 11 Ranger, and they're allowed to multi-class. They have to take seven levels in Ranger at minimum, but everybody's level 11. I'm going to be throwing the fucking monster manual at these guys. It's going to be fucking crazy. Um, it's yeah. wild. So that's some fun Patreon stuff <clears throat> Patreon stuff coming up. Um, do you want to talk about the contest, Will? I do. In fact, uh, we are running a contest. We are giving away two basic starter kits, uh, D&D starter kits. Um, On March 1st, we'll be announcing our two winners, and there are two ways to enter, and you can enter twice. The first way to enter is if you tweet out a link to our show with the hashtag DungeonCast, I I will catch that and I will add it to the list. And also, if you leave us an iTunes review, I will go ahead and catch that and uh, add it to the list. Obviously, you need to do either of these things between now and March 1st. Yeah, and those are their parameters because we fucking love it when you guys do that stuff. Yeah. When you guys are hitting like like buttons and subscribe buttons and stuff, <laughs> just mm, yummy. Indeed. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud.com if you want to hit some like buttons. Um, yeah, you can find us uh, any podcast app. You can find us on YouTube. Just search the Dungeon Cast. Or if you have any inquiries, questions, complaints, constructive criticism, we are at the Dungeon Cast at gmail.com. Uh, let's go back to the show. Let's go back to the show. Yeah, man. Uh, Will's about to hit you guys with some uh, pro tips, uh, sweet <laughs> tricks, and even sweeter flips. Well, I, I'm going to try. For you. Like, That's geez, for you, Don't too. build it up. I'm like, dang. <laughs> These are just things I do, and I hope they help. Um, so, yeah, here's here's some storytelling uh, techniques and tools that I find are very important, and I keep them in mind when I'm not just crafting the villain himself, uh, but also just the keeping these things in mind as the campaign's going on as good storytelling techniques the first one is one people have probably heard many times show don't tell yeah don't tell me 
or don't tell your players how bad the villain is. Don't explain to them how they should fear the villain or explain to them how how bad the villain is or how so he, evil. Yeah, he's just such a villain. You should just like, yeah, he's a villain now. He's a really bad Believe guy. It. So, yeah, don't do that. You need to you need to show them. You need to show the effects the villain is having on the things that they love. Yeah. Kind of goes back to what I was saying about break something that they love. Show towns destroyed. Show people displaced. Show poverty show whatever it is the villain is doing that is bad for the world like show the effects even if you don't draw a direct line but even if you haven't revealed your villain yet or and don't plan to for quite some time show the effects of something going on so that the players know that something is amiss yeah i mean <clears throat> like a serial killer you know they're evil because mm -hmm. they are leaving a trail of bodies Right. And there's a bunch of crime <clears throat> scenes and stuff. You know that your villain is the villain, but you need to convince your players that the villain is the villain. And that's their decision. Yeah. So, yeah, don't tell them that it's a villain. Show them. And that's, um, I mean, you, it, obviously you're going to sit down with your players and be like, what kind of game are we going to play? Or True. Ma maybe you don't, but I mean, like, yeah, if maybe you, you do, maybe you don't. If yeah. you want a, like a, like an antagonist, like, like a, like an entity, a person running around, like doing bad things, like. Don't have your players build like the most chaotic, neutral people ever that don't give a shit about anything forever. You know, they're not going to chase the bad guy. That's going to be a bad time. So. Right. Right. Um, so the second point, and this is going to sound like it's in direct opposition of the first point, but it's really not. Um, sometimes less is more is my, my number two rule. And this is. Okay, so oftentimes the imagination is a lot stronger than anything that you could possibly describe. So what you do is you don't necessarily describe the monster in a mm -hmm. horror movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at all the best horror movies out there. Like, usually the monster is something that's never revealed. Yeah, signs up until the very mm -hmm. end. Because as soon as it's quantified, it becomes less fearful. Yeah. So you, if you apply this to, like, the hows and whys of your villain... Um, it can be very effective in evoking fear in your characters because if they see the effects of what's going on, but they don't understand who or they don't understand why or they don't understand how it's being done. Right. It could really strike fear into the players because whatever it is they're imagining is causing this destruction is probably going to be ultimately worse than whatever it is. Right. And, you know, eventually you will, of course, have to do a reveal. But like this buildup of fear throughout a campaign can be a very powerful tool in making your villain like even more intimidating, memorable, and villainous. Yeah, and it, it, it leads <clears throat> to great effect when your players finally start to tip the scales in their favor. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, oh, I'm overcoming this thing that I was like, it was racking my brain with like, how, how are we going to do this? I can't even understand it. True. Although there's something, point number five also talks about that, but we're not at point number five right now. We're still on point number two. There's another thing. Sorry for uh, no, no. leapfrogging. No, no, that's good. That's <laughs> no, that's something we're going to talk about. Um, another point on this sometimes less is more another thing it does for you as a dungeon master is it keeps your villains safe because your players are fucking dangerous <laughs> and they kill things yeah really and well. it's very easy to underestimate them so rather than have the moment where like you think your villain like rather than put your villain in proximity of the players and risk uh damaging some of that mystique if you keep the villain out of reach and mysterious and powerful like you're both keeping him safe or her safe or it safe um, and keeping your players in that kind of fearful state. Yeah. Of like, oh, my God. It gives you the the <clears throat> finger on the trigger, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. You exactly. know, I'm always scared. Like if I'm, I build my combats lately, like how many D20s hitting 20 
are going to kill this guy. That's, that's a good metric to have. And, yeah. And then I, I go from there pretty much. That's or, interesting. And never, vice versa. I have never looked at it like that, but that's interesting. Because like, a, I was like, if this guy, this guy take, if like per player, okay, right? Yeah. Like if this bad guy, if they encounter it and it does, if it has multi-attack and those two or three attacks are going to kill one guy and if it hits all three, that's bad. That's yeah. unbalanced. Yeah, that's not, that's so, not good. So I'm like... I have to count it like it's going to hit every single time. And then I usually get a good combat. Okay. Uh, I, okay. I want to talk more about this towards the end of the episode because okay. I have a section in my notes talking about mechanically building your villain because that's an important part of villain. Yeah. Like, it's not all story. There are mechanics. To this Eventually game. they're going to like have to get into exactly. it with, like, into, into the fray. So I want to get more into your process because I can already tell this is drastically different from what I do. Okay. So, but, <laughs> but back to back to the storytelling points. Point number three, remind your players that the villain is a person. Um, if they are indeed, if they a are person. indeed, well, I mean, yeah, if they are indeed a person. Um, now, obviously, this is just a, a rule to. It's not a, a rule, but it's a guideline to keep in mind. Sometimes that's not what you want at all, because sometimes your villain isn't a person. It really is like a evil entity without able to be negotiated with, and that's right. a totally different thing. But um, one way to have a compelling and memorable villain is to remind your PCs that. Your villain is a person and not just some entity. Like there is a reason for what they do. Right. And whether you agree with that or not is is fine. But yeah, like it's more character reminding choice. them that there are these grays of morality and not everything's black and white can can bring up interesting player situations and interesting player decisions. Um, I mean, sometimes, oftentimes, you'll see this a lot in good stories. Um, a villain is a direct dark reflection of the hero of a story. Trying to think of a really good example, um, and they try they do that in Naruto like all the fucking time. They do it in Naruto all the time. And actually, yeah, let's talk about Naruto for for a little bit here. Hey, Will, can we talk about Naruto? <laughs> yes, we can. Hell right? yeah, because I watched D podcast something fucking episodes. God, of that show. it's so long. <laughs> okay, okay. So <laughs> there are when it comes to to Naruto um, and villains, I I one thing I love is that they take extra time to personify the fuck out of their villains. Like, right when you hate this villain at the most, they're like, wait Here's a minute, nine let me tell you their story. <laughs> and all of a sudden, then you come back to the point of, like, their defeat, and you're like, oh, man, now I am kind of have mixed feelings about this. Yeah. Now, on one hand, that's really that's a really great tool in the arsenal. That's great storytelling technique. On the and other it's hand, really you effective. had to watch fucking nine flashbacks. And that part, I don't mind. The part I mind when it comes to that show specifically is like, you can only do that so many times before it's like, okay, I know what's going to happen here. Yep. And um, that's why and Netflix that's, is so great because yeah. I just take my cursor and when the, <laughs> when the animation goes back to full color, I know the flashback is over and I just right, click right, right there. Right. <laughs> I, I like the flashbacks personally, but well, I understand where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, they're good, but um, they're doing them way too much. It, it's not just that they're doing the flashbacks too much. It's like they are recycling the same idea. And I get it because the point of Naruto is it's an anti-war anime. It's supposed, you know, with all the cool battles and all that, the whole point is that war begets more war. Pain begets more pain. And yeah. like the only true way to, to end war is, you know, to... To hold out the hand and work together, kind of deal. Yeah, which stop. is a good message for kids, quite frankly. Yeah, stop bullying. There's stop like a bullying. huge bullying problem in in Konoha, Konoho. What is it? Konoha. The, yeah, the yeah. Leaf Village. Yeah, the Leaf Village. <laughs> Anyways, enough about Naruto. I just want to say that that is a good <laughs> storytelling technique, and like you can find really good uh, storytelling techniques in all kinds of different mediums, including yeah, uh, shonen anime. Yeah. Anyways, um, the point the point is often you want 
not often, but like it is a good tool for the villain to have qualities that the heroes can see in themselves. Mm -hmm. Make the villain relatable. It can cause some serious dramatic conflict because all of a sudden they maybe not don't want to take this guy down. Yeah, in Dragon Ball Super, they're everything is a gray area because like nobody's got a goal worthy in my mind in that show right now, and like all the right. all the every character is just obsessed with power, <laughs> right? And they are getting it. Okay, and like they're just all after this one piece of being the strongest so that's oh. where all the conflict is born from oh wow that's pretty cool i like that um another another uh piece on this reminding the the players that the villain's a person is um there's a trope called uh, pet the dog moment okay basically the premise is if you want your villain to be redeemable at somewhere in the story um show them either petting or caring for a weaker creature like oh. a dog, an animal, maybe they take in a small child, like to show that like there's something human about this person. Yeah. Like maybe they're doing something bad, but they're not entirely vile. Yeah, they're not in the red all the way. It's just like um, that concept where we were talking about just a second ago. Like I am, my methods might not be what you agree with, but I am going for some like greater purpose. Right. I'm trying to fix things. Yeah. This is what is necessary or whatever. Uh, and vice versa, there is a kick the dog moment, which kind of goes back to the show, don't tell. Um, That's horrible. An easy way, and they do this in movies, an easy way to make your audience hate a motherfucker is show them kicking a dog. Instant villain. Like, it's yeah. just the way Americans <laughs> and people in the Western world are programmed. Like, you kick a dog, it's done. <laughs> uh, it's a tool they use oh in movies. It's a tool they use in movies. Uh, so there it is. Um, and you can use it. Have them kick a, an owl bear. I don't know. Yeah, something. <laughs> yeah, maybe not an owl bear. Uh, owl bears are cute. I well, like a domestic owl bears. one. Yeah, yeah, and they're domesticated. Yeah, a lot of time. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> uh, point number four: Not all villains are evil. They can be wrong and villains, but sometimes they're quote unquote good. Um, villains can come from all alignments, is what I'm trying to say. Like, uh, not all villains are lawful, neutral, or chaotic evil. As long um, as it's sourcing some kind of conflict, I mm -hmm. think it can classify yeah uh, i i only wrote down two examples that came to mind one um for example a lawful good villain it's mm. possible well i think it's possible uh for example a solar angel is just completely logically and philosophically convinced that this world is just it's too corrupt you can't even redeem it at this point and you can even make him uh, or her the angel somewhat right to a certain degree and maybe sure. maybe the solar angel is like so this is like a Gotham City kind of thing. Kind of a Gotham City kind of thing. And maybe the Solar Angel is like almost feels bad for the deity that they do serve or at least the de the over deity over the world, the good deity. And it's like the good deity can't even bring themselves to do what needs to be done because they're so good. They, they just can't do it. So I'll do it. I'll bring order. I will. We're going to wipe out huge subsections of this planet. We're going to bring about like. Uh, we're going to reinforce the religion. We're going to do all these crazy changes. We're going to remake the world. Um, yeah, f number one, fuck that. Like, that dude's <laughs> evil. He's about to kill millions of people. But the the source of their motivations comes from this good place, this lawful ideal, this philosophical, logical yeah, point. And it, it's questionable <laughs> in its, like, uh, foundations, but it's also, like, you know, do your characters agree to some degree with what's going on? Yes, there does need to be change, but like, what are what are you doing, right. man? Right. So that's one example. That's a lawful good villain, a, a true neutral villain. I've seen this done in, as a matter of fact, a Forgotten Realms book. I saw this done. Um, a true neutral villain, like an arch druid that wants to reset the world back to its pre-civilization state. 
It's super not that nature. he hates humans. It's just that he sees civilization destroying nature and he thinks nature is superior and right. And like, let's go back to the origin point. He hates his, the main. Uh, there, so there's like players like stacking up against him, but he mainly just hates like concrete and uh, yeah. bricks and steel. Yeah. Steel. Fuck steel. Fuck mining. <laughs> <laughs> fuck ancient Egypt. I'm going to fuck up this dwarven <laughs> mining camp right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. That. Um, so that's my point number four. Did you have anything you want to add to the not all villains are evil point? Uh, no. Okay, let's get to point number five because you were talking about um, you were talking about players becoming more powerful and kind of overcoming. Um, yeah, it's starting to because there should be a point, at least in my eyes, where mm-hmm. you know it's this uphill battle, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we, we're we're making some headway. We're, we're we've got some ground under our feet now, and right. something to push off of. Um, I agree to a certain extent, and there's a couple ways you could do it. Uh, you can kind of like. It's an uphill battle till like they're getting towards the very end and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we can do this. Yeah, that's that's a good way to do it. Um, My preferred way is acts of three, which is uh, it's a storytelling technique that Brandon Sanderson uses where the there are almost like there are three different climaxes, uh, each one greater than the last. And like every time the, the players think they have an upper hand and things are going their way suddenly something happens and now it's they're actually in a worse position than they originally were Shit, yeah and then it's an uphill battle and then finally like they got that resolved then something happens and now it's even worse than it was before the last two times and then you get to your final climax i have found that it is incredibly riveting to read stories that are set up in that way so my point number five which i didn't announce what the point was is escalating the threat right a lot of times what you want to do is you know these games go on for a long time as your players level up, they become more powerful, as they should, because that's kind of what this game's about. And because of that, so should your villain. Your villain's not just sitting around. Well, I mean, they could be, but your villain's probably doing stuff and leveling it up, too. So don't forget to show that the villain's also becoming more powerful. Yeah. And, and it always seems one step ahead of you. Right. Whether it's, like, amassing an army or, mm-hmm. like, gaining this object of force <clears throat> that is going to, like, really put them in a position to fuck you up. Right. Um, so another tool basically is what I'm saying is yeah. like keep in mind that sometimes you want your villain to be this ever growing and looming threat that the players always feel like they're barely keeping up with or not even able to keep up with until the very end or right. you can do like the three the three climax thing that I was talking about. There's there's multiple ways to do it, but keeping the idea of what, whether to escalate or not escalate the threat in mind is is important that's that, that's kind of my point of these these five rules that i use is like you don't have to follow all of them or any yeah of you them can land any anywhere time. in between yeah, i just mean keep them in mind and know what you're doing you you could your players could like think <clears throat> they overcame the conflict and then the conflict is like has to slink into the shadows and like rebuild yeah. and they come back stronger than ever that could be an escalation oh yeah absolutely well. yeah that's absolutely right so, and, and that complacency like we did it guys let's let's start like let's start being adventures blah blah, right, blah. and then right. like while you're out doing your next side quest or whatever <laughs> fucking what's his face comes back and rages all over the place indeed indeed um that, yeah that's exactly right so those are my five points um there's some other things i want to talk about real quick before we get to the mechanical uh part of the episode um something you should keep in mind um is how does your villain go about villaining like do they are they very direct or are they more indirect in the shadow so like a direct villain would be like a classic villain like their actions are 
they directly attack things or it, with their armies or they uh, oppose the PCs in a very direct way. They have monsters and minions and traps and weapons and they're maniacal and, you know, yeah. they, they do their thing. They're, all their weapons are pointed in the PCs direction or at least at the things the PCs love. Yeah. Do the PCs love justice? Is Jack the Ripper running amok through your town and stabbing go. kidneys? Direct like, villain. Yeah. yeah there, there you, you go. go. An indirect villain kind of has layers of deception. They have middlemen. They're often in the shadows and their angles often aren't clear. They're often hidden behind red herrings. Um, the PCs have to actively search out an indirect villain while a direct villain kind of is it, you don't have to search about the direct villains making it's in themselves your face. known yeah. it's in your face an indirect villain you might not know is there unless you are looking for the evidence of this villain yeah okay um and and you know as a dm you have to leave that evidence you have to have all this idea worked out like moriarty moriarty from um Sherlock Sherlock Holmes. Holmes is an indirect villain always in the shadows yeah always using other people to do stuff and making it look like one thing is the end goal, but actually it's a different thing. And just when Sherlock Holmes thinks they're finally going to get him, he escapes. <laughs> Fuck. Not again. So that's there. there's your indirect uh, villain. Uh, other notes, like multiple villains. It's a thing. And those multiple villains don't have to work together. They could be in complete opposition of each other. Yeah, they could be villains to each other. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's something to keep in mind. Um, it's a conflict triangle. It's like a love triangle, but it's bad. Right, not that uh, love triangles a, are good. It's a, it's but a villain triangle. It's a villain. Um, it's, tri- it's 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 horrible. Yeah, <laughs> um, we already kind of talked about the villain behind the villain thing, the, about the reveal and all that. Like you got to be careful with it. Leave the leave enough evidence and also leave enough red herrings to keep them off the trail. Kind of do. Okay, yeah. Um, I like the idea of having like a um, like the main footman of or like the right hand man of the real villain is the one that you're dealing with all the time, and you don't. Might not specifically know so about the guy behind the Darth Vader Emperor kind of exactly yeah, yeah. and that that's your villain behind the villain right. kind of deal like you knew the you knew the Emperor was there and yeah you're right that is that is kind of more uh, what is being talked about here with the villain behind the villain it's less like the villain was there the whole time and more like you know the Emperor's there but like you're dealing with Darth Vader right you're not concerned about the Emperor until the dude shows up and you're like oh fuck yeah and that's a great escalation point it's mm-hmm. like. Yeah, Darth Vader is like fucking crazy to deal with all the time, and he's like a he's the fucking boogeyman in those movies. Oh, yeah. They do a yeah, great job absolutely. with that. Absolutely, and you finally get to a point where like, okay, I'm ready to like face Darth Vader. Like right. Luke Skywalker's like, okay, I'm ready to fight Vader. I have yeah. to beat Vader. It's like, wh- well, you there's another guy here. Yes. What are you doing hate about flow through? You. Yeah. What are you doing about the guy that's telling you to let hate flow through all you? All that has transpired has done so according to my desire. And then you didn't even think about that. <laughs> like, yeah. No. Absolutely. Like, uh, say what you want about George Lucas and his uh, hate ha- for Star Wars, ham fisted <laughs> storytelling. Yeah. There are some key things about uh, the original Star Wars trilogy that are just quintessential simple elegant storytelling there's a lot very of, fine it's mostly show don't tell they're leaving the mm-hmm. things out that mm-hmm. matter until it's time to show you them exactly like the emperor but they leave the evidence that you need to be there beforehand so that it makes sense yeah like in uh in uh uh, Empire Strikes Back, where he's talking to the Emperor a little bit here and there, and it's mm-hmm. just like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah like, exactly. I know, kind of, I get an idea that that guy's evil as hell because he's in charge of this motherfucker. Indeed, the fucking and this boogie. motherfucker's been the villain the whole time. Yeah, and he's <laughs> like, man, I, I like to talk about Darth Vader um, chasing Han Solo and and uh, Princess Leia through like 
that whole movie. Mm-hmm. How long is the timeline in that movie? Darth Vader's chasing those fools the entire time. Every scene they cut to with him is him. I'm getting these fools. Yeah, I'm going. To, they are not getting away from me this time. Yeah, and they don't. And yeah. they. It's like. Fuck. You know, uh, that movie's so insane. That's actually an interesting thing that I'm glad you brought that up because I, I didn't I didn't include this in my notes and I have never really thought about it from a D perspective. But introducing the villain, usually your players are chasing the villain, but what if it's the other way around? What if the players are on the run? Yeah. And they're trying to get away and Darth Vader's after their asses. That would be a pretty cool campaign concept. That's pretty much Star yeah. Wars. That, you, that's Star you Wars. Run away you're right. from Darth Vader until the very end when you're ready to fucking take him down. Yeah. Cool beans. Yeah, I like All Darth right. Vader a lot. He's a good bad guy. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. They kind of muck him up with the uh, um with the like Oh, with telling his tale. Well yeah, beforehand. and like well the not in the main trilogy, but in mm. the um in like the side stories, like uh what's that video game with Star Killer? Um, oh well that's not even canon, but I yeah, know, but um, like what do you The Force Awakens? Yeah, they're just like really shaking the yeah, the, the, the I mean, the, the whole extended one. universe of Star Wars, like it's a mess. There's, see, this gets into the into the less is more idea. Yeah, when you start quantifying every single aspect of a universe, it starts becoming too convoluted. And right, because at the same time, you're not. You're also not. You're like yeah. you're, you're quantifying it enough to make it convenient for the plot. Well. Okay, I'm sure you've heard the phrase that, like, uh, the truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. Oftentimes, a lie is easier to swallow than the truth, because the truth in real life, like, life is so complex and convoluted that, like, things just seem uncannily weird or, like, you know, like, the again, uh, people can swallow a lie easier than the truth. Uh, and I think this is kind of where this applies. When you start quantifying every single aspect of the universe, it becomes too big, too convoluted, and too weird. And it's like, ah, oh, too much. Oh, that was something I wanted to say earlier. When you're doing this like bad guy building, and like it's also like a world building thing, mm-hmm. you kind of need a world established for the bad guy to do bad things in. Right. And um, I found out with lots of RPGs that it's really a good thing to kind of leave blank spots and right that for you to fill in as you go this is a collaborative storytelling game and you need to leave a lot of room for your players to make some space right exactly even and, if it's not their direct character space and that's why knowing your bad guy is very critical because with a new development in the story you need to know how this person is or thing is going to react to that yeah so absolutely you know do your best you know because it not, mm-hmm. you're not always going to hit the mark with it making total sense but like you can always make it make sense later that's yeah. that's what's good about storytelling absolutely okay let's get to the mechanically building your villain section um you, you got to build this guy he's got to have stats because your player's got to kill it yeah so if he doesn't is. have stats i mean i mean i guess you could kill it without stats but then it just feels weird just yeah like, oh, we're playing dnd yeah, let's stat D&D. everything let's out stat it out um, the obvious choice is to use or reflavor existing 22 plus challenge rating monsters. Oh my gosh. Which, yeah. You know, that's the obvious choice. Uh, it's not necessarily what I would do because um, players tend to be, characters tend to be more powerful than uh, the monster manual kind of accounts for. Um, you have to account for whether you're really going to try and pin a villain up solo against your players or not because you have to balance the action economy. If you really want this bad guy to come at the players as just one entity, um, it's difficult because your players are going to have multiple turns while your your villain's only going to have the one. Right. Ways, and you're going to you're going to have to out offset that with something. Usually with layer or environmental actions, or legendary actions. Um, 
if if you want minions, that's that's a great way to do it. But then you're abandoning the whole solo kind of feel. True, which is fine. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, if your villain's smart, why would they go toe to toe with your players without like their most powerful guns? Yeah, you know what or I mean. Like, why are you like putting? Yourself why would in a... I have a fucking rocket launcher and like a Gatling gun and not use it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And by rocket launcher, Gatling gun, I mean my lich buddy and my death knight. Exactly. Like, like why am I going one v four? Yeah. At, at any time. I mean, like being outnumbered like that, no matter how power, powerful you are, is a bad situation. Right. I mean, you don't want to do that. So just right. something to distract the players that they maybe not something too powerful, but something that they have to deal with. So basically like action economy. Right. I got to right. make these guys burn up some stuff to make this fight feel threatening. And I, I have this issue in in combat building right now where things are either like I want it to feel threatening I really, really do. I want this some danger here, but I don't want to have the scale tipped in such a way where it can't be tipped back against my players. Momentum, that, yeah. momentum is a big part of the fight. Yeah, it, it, it's tricky. I'm not gonna lie, it, it is. And there, I, I often find it's trickier in the other direction where the players will overcome things uh, if I'm not hard hand, heavy handed enough. Um, another way to help with the so one versus four or five is to implement like a time limit or a countdown before something fucking horrible happens. Okay, yeah. You know, like um at turn it's, 9. Well, it's, it's honestly yeah, it's honestly the opposite of the end of Watchmen. Spoiler for the end of Watchmen, but by the time Shit. the villain's done explaining what it, it is he's going to do, it's already been done, which is great. That's a great storytelling device. It's what Way a great better story. better than yeah. trying to explain it and then do it yeah. like fucking Pokémon or whatever the right. hell. Poke uh, okay, I bring up Pokémon a lot because the bad guys are like very terrible. No one very accuses bad. no one accuses uh, the Pokémon games of being great stories. No, I like Giovanni and They're that's great about it. Exploration adventures. Right. I love Pokémon. Anyways, <laughs> uh but no, you're right. You're right. Um uh, but but implementing a thing where maybe maybe the villain hasn't done the thing yet, but the thing's about to happen, and mm -hmm. like you got extremely limited time to get it done. Yeah. Um. So adding that kind of countdown timer kind of ups the challenge rating because like it's 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 tantamount to giving the I, I I don't I don't know if it's like giving the villain more HP, but it's like it's making it so that you need to burn through this villain's HP and AC faster right. than you did prior right than you would normally it, it's putting pressure on the players to get the situation yeah. handled because it's not just like killing this guy it's like yeah. stopping this thing yeah now another thing besides all these mechanical things to to enhance and and better balance your um your encounter with this villain uh and i think it doesn't get talked about enough is you need to role play this fucking villain they're a villain like be clever be ruthless don't pull punches like do what this villain can do and right but be fair obviously don't break the rules or, or fudge rules well or a lot of that, like that is statting it out properly statting out properly, that, yeah, then you can throw the full punch and not have to worry too right. much i mean you want it to be devastating yeah but my point is like if you just took the cookie cutter lich out of the monster manual like the arsenal of spells this dude has and legendary actions like be clever with them be ruthless use the environment like be smart and you will instantly up the threat level of this entity than you would if you just if you didn't do that yeah i like tools like difficult terrain and stuff that yeah. like a bad guy will impose on other on players and stuff yeah. limit the movement limit the action economy yeah um, I think we've already kind of said this, but don't underestimate your PCs. The threat yeah. level should be real, and PCs are powerful. Um, my last note is 
that n- most villains, or at least not all villains, rely on their physical and magical capabilities to challenge the PCs. But they they challenge their they challenge them in a psychological way too while they're fighting. Like challenge their morality if like they're someone is like really into like their their point of view about the whole situation. Tell them they're never going to be shit. Take hostages. <laughs> Offer sweet deals. Like look. Like, work with me and, like, I'll give you this, this, and this. Like, fight dirty. Like, do whatever it takes to win from the villain standpoint, not from a DM standpoint. As a DM, like, you need to make sure that this is fair and balanced. But as the villain, But then make it fair and balanced, step into the roleplay aspect, and then do what you need to do. Exactly. So, that's all I got on villains, Brian. You got anything you want to add about maybe your villain making process? Any, like, little notes or tips and tricks or Uh, things things you've learned? I like um, having lots of um, steps along the way to the big reveal, the big bad guy. Yeah. Uh, like henchmen are really cool. They give a lot of um, insight into the agency of the main villain. True. And they are, at the same time, their own entity that has their own agenda in some way, shape, or form. Not That's- necessarily. <laughs> Like they're not using the, um, they might have their own goals. We should do a minions episode because yeah, minions are people too. You're right. Yeah, minions they have their own goals. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're so, right. so like, um, when the Dark Tower, you have the Man in Black. Mm-hmm. He's got his own shit going on, and right. he's working for the big guy. But he's he's pretty much left to his own devices a lot of the time, as long as he's somewhat in line with like causing this like chaos and destruction. Um, <laughs> you're like, causing chaos and destruction, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So I'm good, right? It says here in your metrics that your chaos and destruction have fallen a bit in the last quarter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need you to bring that up before you keep eating people. That's not part of the game. Uh, So, yeah, it's a... like, yeah, I think we we should do a henchman's episode. Yeah, like, we should. I never even thought about that. But yeah, we totally should. And we will. Yeah, like how we removed will. how removed is your BBG from your their henchmen, et cetera? Where's right. the link? And like, what are these guys doing down here at the bottom? That's something I'm I'm exploring a lot right now. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's cool stuff. All right. Well, with that, I think we're done and we can call it a game. Let's call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.